two-thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be with the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. This new solar generator has double the capacity and is expandable, so you can run the big appliances like your fridge even longer. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas, ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot Power Generators. Go to 4Patriots.com tutor to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to 4Patriots.com tutor. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Tudor Dixon Podcast. While we've all heard stories of elected officials using their political influence to get what they want. But I think today's story, I mean, I don't know how else to say it other than this is just going to horrify you. I'm joined today by an attorney. His name is Brandon Wolf. Brandon is an attorney currently representing a Michigan family whose daughter was assaulted during school. I have to say that again. This family's daughter was assaulted during school, sexually assaulted by a prominent local elected official's son. Now, Brandon is leading a federal lawsuit on behalf of the girl's family, alleging that the rapist parents used their respective political positions to circumvent a Mason County or a Mason schools expulsion title X complaint or sorry, title nine complaint and a personal protection order to get their son back into that same school as his rape victim. I mean, This, Brandon, to me is shocking. As a mom of girls, uh, I'll remind everybody, I have four daughters. This was eighth grade. Am I correct? Yeah, the original assault happened in the eighth grade. That's correct. So this assault happened during class. I mean, can you just kind of explain what happened? Because I know we've posted a little bit about this online. This happened in Michigan. The reason I find this very interesting is that this is a the mother of this um, this this boy is an Ingham County clerk. This woman is the county clerk. So she is really answers to our secretary of state who has said nothing. So in the state of Michigan, the secretary of state, um, Jocelyn Benson, has said nothing about this. The woman who is in this lawsuit that you are saying used. You used her political influence. Her name is Barb Byram. 
she is very vocal on social media as kind of, I would say, an influencer for the left. She comes out and she attacks people. And it has been for years that she has come out and talked about rape and rape victims. And rape victims are always having to live with this. A predator is always a predator. She's she's tweeted out things like this. Now we're in this situation. Her son is the predator. Explain to me exactly what happened in this eighth grade classroom and how we got to where we are today. Yeah, I mean, that's a great starting point. I don't know how you can reconcile the fact that to talk and and be an advocate for sexual assault victims on mm-hmm. one hand, but then, you know, allow your your child to your your child to go right back into the same school um, with the victim. And this school is not a big school. <laughs> This is a small school. And like you said, I mean, and, and first of all, there was a PPO in place against the child before he got reinstated into the school. How does so, that even work if you have, I mean, in such a small area, how can you have a PPO and the child gets put back in the same school? I mean, how do you follow that PPO? It's difficult. The, the school kind of put itself in a, in a difficult spot, right? Because they knew the PPO was in place basically what they did was say let's do a no contact order which means nothing it's it is it means uh basically nothing in in the school itself because it's it's very it's almost impossible to implement Mm -hmm. you can't implement something like that because she's inevitably going to see this person in the halls in the school in the classrooms in the lunch period and basically what the no contact order does is treat her as she's equally blameworthy for her own assault, meaning she can't go down certain halls. And basically what they say is, why don't you suck it up and go down a different hall? Why don't you take a different class? Oh, the, Of course, the person who has to the, the victim in this case has to then suffer the consequences of the perpetrator getting to stay. I mean, I just don't understand this. I don't either. And that's why we sued the Mason Public School District, because they completely dropped the ball on this. I mean, really, I think they had an easy out. They could have said, well, you know what? Look, we've got a victim here. We've got uh, a, a, a student that's been convicted of sexual assault going right back into the same school. We've got an easy out here and we can just say, you know, look, this is a school of choice kid. He can pick another school or go in the school wherever he resides in. And that's it. I mean, we need to think about the victim here. There needs so let's, to be. Let's dig into what you just said, because he you're saying he's convicted of this. So this is a, a Title IX violation. And you explained to me before we got on, before we started recording. So this boy in class and just for the audience, this is graphic. So just mm-hmm. prepare yourselves. But in class, this boy reached into this girl's clothing and he started to assault her with his hand underneath her underwear. And and this happened in class, in the school. In, in, in class. In class. And so that opens up a whole nother box of questions. I'm like, how does this happen that a teacher doesn't see this? How? But because it happened in class, I would say almost because that happened, there is even more evidence because for when you have this Title IX complaint, they interview all kinds of people, including students who witnessed this. And there seems to be no dispute this occurred. 
It seems that that seems to be the case, and that's how they found they found him guilty of of doing what he's he's done. And and by the way, he's lawyered up immediately, which mm. is his right to do. You know, I am a lawyer. I don't I don't have children myself, but if I had a son, those are serious allegations. And let's be fair here. You know, we do have due process in this country, and I believe in that. But at the end of the day, I mean. He, he lawyered up. He never denied the allegations. You know, there were no criminal uh, charges brought. And I, I can get into that. There's a reason why. Um, but, you know, I, I would want the, the system to ferret itself out and find out if that really happened. And in fact, it really did. <laughs> it and really when did. they found out that it really did happen, he was expelled from the school immediately. It was like, you're done here. And, and something else you said you talked about the fact that he is choiced into the school. So for those of you listening outside of the state of Michigan, in the state of Michigan, we have school choice for public schools. So if you don't like the public school system or, or doesn't, you don't feel the public s- school system in your area serves your child's needs, you can choice them into another public school, whether it's a, another local, whether it's a public charter your child can be choiced into another public school. So in this case, Barb Byram's son was choiced into the school. He then raped a a student at the school, was expelled from this school. That is not his district school, not like he doesn't have another option. He can go back to his home school. Whether or not I believe that he should be allowed in a public school at all, that's a totally different subject. But if you were the parents of this boy and you didn't want to make a big stink about this, I would imagine you would quietly take this boy out of his school and put him in the school that he is supposed to be in on a regular basis anyway. But I think that goes to the arrogance of these parents to say that we have this other option for this kid. We could say, you know what, we don't want people to find this out. We want to protect the the girl in this case. We want to protect our son. Let's see what we can do to try to keep this out of the news. Little did we know the news would be so protective of this situation and their Democrats that they would not report on this. In fact, it's been very hard to find any reporting on this. I think one TV station, but the Detroit News has not reported on this. And the Detroit News actually has been asked several times. I've seen several times on Twitter, people have, on X, people have said, hey, when are you going to start reporting on what happened with the student? Because it got to the point where the Mason High School students actually staged a walkout, didn't they? Yeah, they did. And, And good for them. And and to be fair, I have been contacted by several local news sources. I think this is a hot button key issue for them, especially when she's up for Mm re-election coming up here, is my understanding. But uh, yeah, you know, I think people are tired of just corruption in in politics. I think the favoritism, the egregious favoritism here. I mean, I wonder if this was a factory worker's boy or blue-collar worker's son, I wonder if he would enjoy the same privileges that this that this person is enjoying right now. I mean, yeah, it, it could have been an easy thing. If I was a parent, I would have been like, you know what, let's just take the loss on this one and, and let's put him in a different school and let's change, let's, let's close this chapter in his life. Let's right. move on. <laughs> you know, there's been well, a under, series- Well, like- under, of course, under Barb Byram's own words, 
once a predator, always a predator. So perhaps she doesn't think there is closing this chapter on her own son's life. I'm not sure about that. But I do want to say that the students who walked out walked out over safety concerns. So clearly, this is something that not only has not gone away for the girl in this case, nor the boy in this case, but it is something that the entire school now is so concerned about that she not only has to attend the school, she has to face the fact that other students are worried about their own safety because after this child was expelled, somehow they seem to have finagled a way to get the school board to go to reverse their decision that was unanimously to expel him to unanimously bring him back. Doesn't that seem a little bit odd? Yeah, it seems very odd to me. And that's one of the things I look forward to digging into in the lawsuit. Um, You know, how that possibly and why wasn't the victim consulted about this? So that didn't happen at all? No, that never happened. Why? Why wouldn't you bring in the parents? Why wouldn't you bring in the victim and say and and ask them, hey, how have you been affected by this? How would you feel if, if this this person is reinstated back into the school? One of the elements of the statute, actually, is that you have to consider the victim and how they might respond to something like this. It's like being locked in the same jail cell as your perpetrator. (laughs) You you know what I mean? You're in the same building all the time where you see this person that assaulted you. I mean, that's traumatic. And for a 14-year-old girl? Let's take a quick commercial break. We'll continue next on the Tudor Dixon podcast. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. 
I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And I think that what you just said is so key because you likened it to a jail cell because to my point and to your point, this is forcing this girl to be in a prison of sorts of her own nightmare that she has to relive every day because the school has made the choice to go along with this. So so you've filed this federal lawsuit because you want to dig into that. And I think that it's important for our audience to understand that when something like this happens, you cannot just let it go. And this is something we talk about on this podcast a lot is that it falls on community. And and sadly, oftentimes it falls on the victim to force the issue to make sure that this stops in the future. And this to me is key because if our schools are allowing predators back in, and we know that this happens sometimes with teachers, but now a student to let the predator back in, it's going to sadly fall on the victim and her parents to push back and say, we want to dig into this. And so tell us a little bit about what that federal lawsuit allows you to dig into to find so that you know exactly what happened when they made this decision to suddenly reverse their expulsion of the child. Yeah, I mean, look, I, the, the lawsuit is not an easy one because you're bringing a lawsuit against a government agency, which is always difficult. I'm sure you've heard about it in the news and they enjoy what's called governmental immunity, which meaning they can shield, but it's a very high standard to um, to accuse them of wrongdoing because, you know, it's the government and we all pay taxes to the government. So it's difficult. But I mean, this is right off the back of the Larry Nasser stuff with mm-hmm. Michigan State. I mean, so let's be honest, the, you know, the school's turning a blind eye to this stuff. I mean, people are it's enough. It's enough. And you know what else this is communicating to, to victims? Your voice doesn't matter. Yes. Why? Why, why is it that should, people should speak up and voice their concerns about what happened to them if they, it's not going to matter? And, and, and it, it also sends a message that this boy's education is more important than this girl's education mm-hmm. to me. That's what it's doing. You should feel safe when you go it, to It's school. more important. This boy's education is more important than this girl's safety. Yeah. I mean, it, it goes beyond just her education. It's more important than her even being safe. It's literally raising him above all other students because now he's a predator. And he is a predator, in my opinion, to every student in that school. And that's why I would say that the students walked out, because they feel as though they are going to school with a predator in their midst. For me, I don't understand the parents of the boy in this case. For Barb Byram, why make this decision? Why put your son in the position where people are like, dude, you did this. You've caused us a massive problem. We've had to walk out of the school. But whatever she has made that as a parent she's made that decision a woman who has been vocal about why abortion should be available every single day because of rape i mean the two things i'm like are you kidding me i I can't even write this stuff and in a state where we have one of i think we're fifth 
highest rapes per capita in the nation in the state of Michigan. All you hear from our attorney generals, we're going to stop this. All you hear from our governor, Governor Whitmer, we're going to stop the rapes in this state. All you hear from these top three. And Jocelyn Benson has the ability as secretary of state to weigh in on this and say, you know what? At this point, Barb Byram needs to step down because she's under investigation. You have this lawsuit pending. We need somebody that is level-headed, that we know is going to make good decisions when she is sitting in the county clerk's office. She needs to step down. Have you heard anything from Jocelyn Benson? Nothing, and I, I don't anticipate it. I'm not really concerned. I mean, I'll be, I know this is a political show, and I get that. I'm not concerned about the politics in this at all. I'm concerned about what's right and protecting mason school students that's that's who should be you know is should be protected here you know i I think the right thing to do is for for her to step down i think this is a terrible decision i mean how could you possibly reconcile the fact that you're speaking up for advocates but then at the same time allowing your kid right back into the same school and by the way i had a conversation this family doesn't want this this family doesn't want to go through all this lawsuit and all this news they don't care they want their kid to enjoy their educational experience. And all this is doing is hindering her environment. And I, I spoke with the attorney right before I filed this lawsuit. And I said, let's settle it. You know, let's get him out of the school. That's all we're looking to do. And, you know, he said, no, we need to work out a deal so he can continue to go to Mason, get a scholarship, at you know, potential scholarship because he's a good swimmer. I said, that's the last thing I want to hear. Uh, the entitlement that it emanates from the, the Byram lawyers and their their side is palpable. And that's what really gets me going on this. But I just, you know, I didn't want to file this lawsuit either. I didn't want to make this big spectacle, but apparently we had to do that. I hear what you're saying about not wanting to make this political, but let me push back on that a little bit, because in this case, you have three women that are at the top, positions in this state who have been very vocal about protecting women. This has been their platform. And of course, as a woman and a, a mother of four daughters, that is the one thing that I would say, gosh, I really hope that they are going to do that. When they were elected to office, clearly I wasn't rooting for Gretchen Whitmer in the last election. But as the governor of this state and Dana Nessel, as the attorney general, The way they have spoken about protecting women and the Me Too movement and the Women's March and protecting survivors of sexual assault and and quite honestly, for Governor Whitmer as a survivor herself, and she's been so passionate about talking about this, I say, how can it be that these women are not willing to make a statement now and protect this girl because that could stop all of this for her. She doesn't have to deal with the the media. She doesn't have to deal with the student in the school. I don't understand how at this point they can't step in and say, okay, enough is enough. Mm -hmm. This is what should happen. Yeah, I mean, it's bad enough that she had to go through the initial assault, but now we ha- he returns to the school, reopens all those wounds, and she has to see him again every single day. It's ridiculous to me. It's, have you heard incredible. anything as you've, now you filed this lawsuit, have you been able to have any light shined on why that decision was reversed? Because again, it was unanimous that they were kicking him out. And this is not a question as to whether or not this assault occurred. And it's not a question as to whether or not she feels that 
this is a constant pain. I mean, that I was talking to my husband about this and I said, the thing that I think I can't get out of my head as a parent, and I, I'm sure your clients feel the same way, is that you never reverse that. That never goes away. She's always a survivor now. And the thought of her having to see the person who did this to her every day, that this falls on the family to protect her from him, that there's no outside protection. I just, I think it's shocking. Have you been able to find out why at all they they reverse that? Not right now, no. We just, we just began a lawsuit. They filed a motion to dismiss the case, thinking that they're gonna get out of the matter, which I anticipated. They filed what's called a 12B6 motion to try and get out of the case. I, I'm very confident that I'm going to survive that motion. Um, but at this early stage, no, I haven't really discovered what happened in that in that decision. I'm not. It doesn't really make sense to me how they can expel somebody. But to be fair, by law, they do have 150 days from the date of the expulsion to petition the Board of Education to reinstate the child. You know, so they, they everything they did, they had the right to do, but whether or not it was the right thing to do is a different question. You mentioned criminal charges, and I, I've noticed a lot of chatter online because we've been following the story very closely, as I've said, not only because obviously this is a, a horrible story happening in our state, but also as a mom myself, I'm like, gosh, what do I need to be prepared for? I need to be watching this. And a lot of the chatter online has consisted of there's no criminal charges and therefore this kid didn't do this. You said you would explain a little bit as to why there are no criminal charges. Can you get into that? Yeah. So when the what happened was, was that the Title IX investigation started to occur and the Mason Police Department was notified that this happened. Well, Brad Delaney is happens to be a, a pretty high-ranking sheriff, a lieutenant or something in the Ingham County Sheriff's Department. And because of that conflict, they referred it out to the attorney general so that an unbiased uh, police department can conduct that prosecution and investigation. So that's what happened. So it's referred to Jackson County, I believe, is the county that was presiding over the case. And um, <laughs> at that time, their child was expelled and the uh, my client is obviously 14 mm. years old she's a very shy quiet girl obviously you know she's and she was like well look i don't want to stand up in a trial and and the prosecutor came to her and said look if you want to move forward with these charges you're going to have to get up there on the stand and testify and she said i don't want to do that I, I'd, I'd rather just move on with my life if he's expelled from the school um I, that's good enough for me I'm going to continue on going to school. I want to close this chapter and move on with my life. So that's what ultimately happened. Um, so I think the prosecutor, by the way, I mean, it's just like any domestic violence case where, you know, if the person being abused doesn't take the, the stand, the prosecutor really doesn't have a whole lot of evidence to work with. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's I think it, my understanding is, is that the prosecutor kind of took their foot off the gas and just let it be and didn't move forward with with charges but i mean you can still proceed without the the victim but it's more difficult to do right so they so kind of let let the water under the bridge on that one and um and then meanwhile the the parents re petitioned the board um i think he sat out a year of school and did it online 
um, and then petitioned the board, and he was reinstated that following year in the 10th grade year. Let's take a quick commercial break. We'll continue next on the Tudor Dixon podcast. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So now these students are in high school and she's having to finish out high school with him there because he has the potential for a swimming scholarship and that has to happen in this high school. I mean, this you you really cannot make this stuff up. And I think that I speak for most parents when I say, I cannot imagine anyone hurting my child in school, the school making the determination. And I, and I think, again, it's important for people to understand the investigation, the, the Title IX investigation, showed that this did did occur. That's why he was expelled. And then this happens. I do want to say that we obviously talked about Gretchen Whitmer, Dana Nessel, um, mm-hmm. all of these folks. Our, uh, we have a local paper, a local Michigan um, online paper here. It's called the Midwesterner.news. They did mm-hmm. reach out for comment from Governor Gretchen Whitmer, Attorney General Dana Nessel, 
Senator, U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow and U.S. Representative Alyssa Slotkin, who's running for Senate, also the Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson, they all chose not to respond. When you hear that they won't even respond for comment and you have heard no statements from them and you just said that this did get referred to the attorney general's office. Mm-hmm. Don't you find it a little stunning that there hasn't been a single statement on a young woman who was assaulted in her eighth grade classroom? I, to me, no, it doesn't surprise me at all. Of course, they're going to refer, you know, d- they're going to say, let our lawyers answer for us. Um, we'll let it work itself out in litigation and turn a blind eye to everything and not address anything, which is why people are speaking out. And I think people have had enough of it. So I, I really can't comment on what their legal strategy is, but I expected it. Doesn't surprise <laughs> me. Does this Is this an isolated incident or have you heard of similar situations in schools in Michigan or across the country? Do you feel like this is a situation where it's tough because parents are more likely to say we'd rather our daughter or our student that was the victim not have to live through it any anymore and this kind of stuff continues to happen? Well, I've gotten three phone calls from mothers and fathers since mm. this this lawsuit was filed, where their 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 daughter or their um, yeah their daughter most yeah it's been all their daughters. Uh, they've been in similar situations where they just don't feel like they've ever they they haven't been heard, and um, uh, it, I I think it's I think it's a systematic problem systemic problem within the public school district. I think they're cloaked in immunity and they can kind of, you know, they have a lot of wiggle room, you know, so, but with this, I think it's just completely egregious. I don't know the exact circumstances, but parents have called me and voiced their concerns that, you know, this is not an isolated occurrence. Well, it is isolated in the sense that it happens to that individual, but it does go on more than you think. Well, we are obviously, we're going to be following this case, but I know that we've had other similar circumstances where parents have had faced terrible difficulties and they've almost become the advocates for other parents in those cases. Mm -hmm. And that has changed how people see these cases. Something that we've been recently talking about on the podcast is not necessarily, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to change the way the system works or the way the board meets or, or whatnot, but just bringing this, making this a higher profile case and making people aware that parents are going to fight back makes it less likely for the schools in the future to say, oh, we're going to put the predator back into the classroom with the person, the the victim of the crime. Do you encourage other parents when they call you or if parents are listening right now, do you encourage them to, hey, you know what, I know it's hard, but go out there and and fight back and and take the legal case and see what can happen so that these schools feel the pressure and know that people are watching. They're not going to just let you get away with it. Yeah, I do. I I think raising awareness is a really important thing in, in our democracy and, and for similar situations like this, and you have to, it's difficult. It's difficult for this mother. She calls me all the time to, to say, you know, I've got this going on or this news source wants to talk to me about it. I just want this to go away in my child's life. You know, it's not Mm. easy standing up for what's right. 
It's really not. It's difficult. And sometimes you're up against very powerful people, which I do it all the time. But you have to. Otherwise, everything is just going to remain the same. And, you, you and look, I just want to be clear right. about this. With this situation, my, my heart goes out to both mothers in this case, because I think that being the mom of the girl would be heartbreaking. Being Barb Byram is also heartbreaking to find out that your son is going out there and doing this. And I, I think that I disagree with her actions, clearly. But I also want to say that this is a woman who has been featured as one of the faces of democracy for upholding the highest ethical and professional standards following all laws. That's how she's been presented. Mm -hmm. This is to me, if you are presented that way, then you are held to a higher standard and you should expect that if you have a problem like this, whether it is a problem in your family or your personal life, you are a public official and you need to lead the way that we would expect anyone else to lead. And in this case, I just say, Barb Byram has the, the opportunity to stop this for both kids right now. She just has to move her son out of the school. And, and I think that that's the right move for her. Obviously, I don't get to choose that for her, but I believe that most people who listen to this and hear the story will say, this is shocking. We are anxious, Brandon, to hear what you uncover, because if this is a case where mom and dad on the boy's side did somehow pressure the school board based on their political influence, and they have great political influence. As I said, she's considered one of the faces of democracy. She's mm -hmm. obviously very close to Gretchen Whitmer. There are pictures of her with all of these prominent fig political figures in the state of Michigan. So I do think from that standpoint, we as a community should expect more of our elected officials to protect the people that are most vulnerable. And I really cannot think of anyone more vulnerable than a 14-year-old girl. But we, we're, we're anxious to hear what happens, and we'd love to have you back when you have more information on this federal lawsuit. Yeah, it's nice to be here. Thanks for having me. I'll tell you, they're fighting me every step of the way on this case, so I'm sure there there's going to be more and more updates as things go on. But I'm going to aggressively pursue it myself, and I look forward to getting some justice out of this for this. Well, let me girl. ask you this. If they came to you today and they said, you know what, we've heard your your concern. We're actually going to take him out of the school. Does that end everything? No, <laughs> not as far as I'm concerned. It's, it doesn't um, because we still have the decision to allow him back in the school. Mm. That has to change. I want to see some change, not just from our political uh, um from our politicians, but from the school board itself. I mean, why, why, I don't understand why they allowed this to happen. And this is not the first time this has happened uh, where, you know, a, a victim has been right back in the same school with their, with their assaulter. And uh, I, I'm going to look into it on this one. And uh, we want, I want some change. Let's see a policy change. Let's see something. Sometimes this is the only way you're going to get any, any change because they only respond to money and news these politicians sometimes that's the only thing that's going to change otherwise you know this poor woman would be in the same situation right now if if we didn't bring this to light so this is important this is an important part of the process yeah i mean it begs the question should the fate of a young woman be left in the hands of five to seven people who could be influenced i mean it seems it's not even 
the number of people that we have in a trial. You know, you're talking about a very yeah. small group of people in the community and her and she wasn't I think the shocking part about it is that she wasn't given a voice at that decision to to bring him back. When you said that, I'm like, how can this be that they make this decision and this is such a personal decision for this family. They didn't even contact her parents. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah, it's a very flippant decision. They didn't notify her. I think that she was notified two weeks before school started, start, was starting that he was going to be back into the school. Mm. So that's how much notice uh, they they gave this girl. And it's it's egregious, in my opinion. Shocking. Shocking. Well, Brandon Wolf, thank you so much for being on today. We appreciate you sharing with us. And we're going to keep everybody posted on what's going on with this. And just again, let me reiterate, when you have the ability to speak up, I mean, you said it best, what affects these places is media and money. So you got to hit them where it hurts, make it public and make sure that they end up with a lot of damages because that's what prevents them from doing it again. It's the only thing that stops them. So thank you for having me today. It was nice, nice chatting with you. Absolutely. And thank you all for joining us on the Tudor Dixon podcast. For this episode and others, go to TudorDixonPodcast.com. You can subscribe right there or head over to the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts and join us next time on the Tudor Dixon podcast. Have a blessed day. Two-thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be with the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. This new solar generator has double the capacity and is expandable, so you can run the big appliances like your fridge even longer. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas, ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot Power Generators. Go to 4patriots.com tutor to get your solar generator generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to fourpatriots.com slash tutor. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.